The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I thought I was muted that whole time. I was not. <laughs> anyway, thrilled to be here with you on this Tuesday morning. So excited to be with you. We're going to be live for the next hour. We've got a great guest, lots to talk about, and we want to hear from you. I uh, We've been having so much material during the show that a lot of times we haven't been able to get to all the questions, and I want, I'm really going to make a concerted effort today. So uh, be writing questions in. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can watch us. You can be watching us on our homepage, autism-live.com. Uh, but you can also be watching us on Facebook. You can be watching us on YouTube, on Twitter, on Periscope. All of those places were live. Uh, later on, we podcast. We're still available, all those places recorded, but we podcast directly to iTunes. It's a free download. It, uh, we're also on um, Deezer and iHeartRadio and Spotify. So all of those places, you can go and uh, listen to us or watch us because on iTunes, you can download either way. Thrilled to be here. I, I just, I, I, I've cut my hair again. What, it's just, I keep, I'm going to be the only woman who ends up with shorter hair at the end of this isolation than when I started. And I, I've decided that I really like, uh, you know, cause then I can, if I don't wait like one little part, I can just go and snip that little thing. Uh, I've lost my mind. Uh, <laughs> but I want to know from you guys, I'm actually considering having a hairdresser come on and give you tips for how to cut your hair. Because I, you know, I have a few questions and I figure that you guys do too. And I've been watching on Facebook and a lot of you are cutting your significant other's hair or um, there are some of you who are cutting your kid's hair and, um, and maybe you'd like some tips on that. I have threatened to cut my husband and, and my son's hair and I've had no takers uh, for the threat. They kind of move in the opposite direction when I start talking about it. But it's, you know, they look like they're mountain men. Um, they literally look like, you know, they're, they're, they're just like, well, gonna, gonna go out and smoke some hickory, you know, <laughs> you know, get a ham, smoke it with some Henry, uh, hickory. That's what they look like. So, uh, let me know if, if that's something that you guys are interested in, because look, I just want to be of service here. I want to help you guys to be able to do the things that you need to be able to do and support you. Um, and my, you know, our particular, we're called Autism Live. And so we talk about things that can support um, families with autism. I would say we, we speak here to the greater autism uh, community. So that starts with the core of individuals who are on the spectrum. We want to help them to get the resources and the respect that they need. And then we include on our show that outer autism community, which is everybody who loves those individuals and wants to help support them and help them to find resources. And we know that they, those people have to have support too, 
right? Uh, because that's how the structure builds, right? So uh, tell us what you guys need. Uh, I love this. 70, uh, I, I, we're glad you're back too, Maya. Uh, and Michelle, hello, morning. Raquel, morning to you. Uh, uh, Maya, I know you got the short hair thing going too. Isn't it so much easier? I got to tell you, and I'm using less product um, to manage it. And it's so hot. I, you know, I started by just shaving the back of my head because it's so hot in the studio and I don't have, you know, like the air conditioning blowing fans here um, that I had at the office and I have very thick hair. And even with shaving it, I noticed last night, I was like, man, it's just like, it's coming in really thick. And um, so it's just so much better when, when it's short because it's hot out now. Uh, oh, somebody went to uh, Great Clips. Oh, that's right. They're starting to open those things back up. I, I find that all very interesting because for me, that's not an essential service, but I realize that I'm a little bit different in that uh, respect. And for some people, and I know that those people need work, 100% get that, but I don't understand the the whole, uh, the, if, if things are uh, uh, essential, why it's bowling alleys, uh, tattoo parlors, and hair, hair cutting. I just like those three, it just, it's for me, it's a little interesting, right? Of all the things. Um, anyway, uh, thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here with you guys. Keep writing in, tell us what you got going on, but I want to, uh, remind you that we, we're going to have a great expert on the show today that I'm really excited to have her on. She was recommended to us by Eustacia Cutler. Look, it just doesn't get better than that. If you've got Eustacia Cutler saying that you're awesome. Right. Um, and she was like, Shannon, and she had several people that she was like, you know, who'd be good, but she was like, no, no. Uh, for our guest today. She was like, you have to have her on. So I'm thrilled that she's going to be on the show. But I just want to remind you that while we have experts on the show frequently, I always like to remind you guys, please don't confuse me with one of the experts. I know I have a very strident voice and I act like I know what I'm talking about. Rarely do I know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, but I have an opinion. I like to say here, and it's a semi-informed opinion. I'll cut myself that amount of slack, but not an expert, right? My credentials are that I'm a former teacher and I am a mom of somebody who was diagnosed with autism. So I care deeply. That's why I'm here. Don't confuse me with the experts. That's all I ask. Now, the other thing we like to do is whenever possible, we like to start the show, kick it off with something that we call the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani are the experts talking about? What does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with my life? Why should I bother to learn this? Um, and so today's uh, jargon is something that's going to go hand in hand with our guest. So uh, it's the ITP. We talked yesterday about the IEP. This is the ITP. And uh, if you don't know what this is, I'm going to send you a hug and go, it's time. Today is the day where you need to know what the ITP is. So the ITP is the Individual Transition Plan. And that, um, and so I don't know if that's the actual definition or if that's the, or, or do we, add, whatever slide you have next, Traven. Okay, so, because I don't remember what how the slides went on this one. So the ITP, uh, it's the Individualized Transition Plan. Uh, is it's a template for mapping out long-term adult outcomes from which annual goals and objectives are defined. A transition plan is the section of the IEP 
that outlines transition goals and services for the student. So when in different states, it's different ages, right? In some states, it can start as early as 14. In some states, they say it has to be started by the time the, the student is 16, right? So there's this like mm, squishy language about when do we start it? And I always uh, tell parents, go in and start talking about it in the IEP when your child is 12, 13 and say, yeah, so are we getting ready for that ITP? And they will go, what? What? We, no, that's when they're, they, that has to, when they're 16. And then, you know, you can say, well, it has to be done by the time we're 16, but we don't start assignments the night before, right? <laughs> like teachers understand that kind of thinking. Educators understand that kind of thinking. So you start to plan out what your child is going to do. Now let's take a look at what our working definition is. Because you can see that this is going to be something that's going to be really important if you guys have tweens, teens, or adults. So the ITP, Individual Transition Plan, is a written plan which outlines what a student will need to live, work, and play as an adult. It should be written at least four years before someone is leaving school. Now that's the ideal, right? So if your child, if you plan for your child to exit the education system at the age of 18, and go on to something else, then you want to work backwards so that, that this starts to be in place when they're 14. If you think that your student is going to be there until they're 21, then, then really, you know, you could be looking at it when you're 16. But this is why I say it's better to start it earlier. And notice those categories that Technically on the ITP, it says that they have to address three things and they are where they're going to live, where they're going to work, and what their social construct will be. So for all of you who have been really concerned as your child is getting older and you're like, well, they're not taking, school is not taking care of the social piece. And schools will hide under that and say, oh, we don't have to. We're, we have to take care of the educational goals. That's not exactly true. In IDEA, it says that they have to take care of the child. Um, so that they can have a productive life. And they are legally mandated to have an ITP, and the ITP says it has to address where they're going to live, where they're going to work, and what their social, you know, support system is going to be. So saying, oh, we only take care of educational goals, eh, right? <laughs> not the thing. Wrong answer. Um, but you will see that schools are not trained in this. They're not versed in it. They're they're not going to run to you and go, oh, well, we have to get the ITP together. It really is going to have to be driven by parents. And that sometimes um, by this age, there are individuals who are taking care of their own IEP and they can do this for themselves um, to advocate for themselves, not do the whole thing for themselves. So this is going to be really important for our guests today. But imagine for all the things that you've been working about, did you know that your child is supposed to, through your school, school system, have a plan that addresses these things. I didn't know. I didn't know until somebody told me. So now I've told you. Look at that. Now you go tell two people and we'll, we'll conquer the world. Uh, so the IT, ITP, very important. Um, don't let your school skinny out of it. Okay, moving on to our question of the day. I think our guest has arrived, but we, we're just going to finish this up. So our question today is, what is your transition plan? And like, 
he wrote this a long time ago. Uh, but doesn't this have extra meaning now? Because uh, we're doing a lot of transitioning, right? Uh, what is your transition plan for you? Uh, are you transitioning from one thing to the other? Do you have a transition plan for yourself? Do you have a transition plan for your kids? We're all going to have to have transition plans to go from being at home to being out in the public, right? Better to have a plan. What's that phrase that I always mess up about? If you if you don't have a plan, then you're planning to fail at something like that. So, uh, and as if you're a parent of an individual who's on the autism spectrum, it's super important that we start to plan. Now, when you plan, things don't always go the way you planned them to go, right? But it's easier to veer off the plan and find your way back onto it if there was a plan to start with. So uh, I was saying to somebody the other day that, you know, I really didn't start worrying about college um, until my son was eight or nine. Uh, before that, what I worried about was high school. I don't know why he was five and I was like, how is he ever going to be able to go to high school? How are we going to find a high school? So when he was six, I found a high school, which is where he's going to high school, by the way. And it has made all the difference in the world. And I watched parents who in the six months before high school had the meltdown. Um, and, you know, there were times when I didn't know if it was going to work out for him to go to the high school that he went to. Uh, and that, and I would look at, you know, what, if this doesn't work out, what's plan B, what's plan C, right? But I got to say, I'm too much of a worry wart to wait to the last minute. That's too much stress. I have a heart condition. I can't take that. Uh, so plan, make a plan. It's a good thing. And then be ready when the plan changes to move with the plan. You got to be flexible, but a plan is a good thing to have. All right. Moving on to our topic this week which I love because I love this whole idea of how important it is. We all need to be learning to learn. This is that whole give a man a fish or teach him how to fish thing. Super duper important. And it never ends, not for any of us, whether we're on the spectrum or not. I'm learning new ways to learn right now because I have to, because COVID has said, sorry, we're not going to let you get all warm and cozy with the things that you know how to do. We're going to force you to learn new things. Uh, you know, lots to say about that. But when we learn how to learn, it's a very powerful thing. And they've done all kinds of studies about how important it is for all of our brains to be making connections on a regular basis. So learning to learn. So the guest that we have for you today, I'm super, super excited because as I said, Eustacia Cutler, uh, said, you've got to have this woman on the show. Sally Burton Hoyle is with us, and she is an associate professor at Eastern Michigan University, uh, which is a member, uh, and she is a former member of the Autism Coordinating Committee, the IACC, and I don't know if we'll have time to talk to her about that, but uh, if she's able to join us right now, what we really want to talk to her about is the College Support Program and specifically what that is like at Eastern Michigan University, because this is how more and more across the country universities uh, have made a plan, have made a roadmap to help our students transition successfully to college and complete college. So there she is, Sally Burton Hoyle. How are you? Fine. How are you all? I'm so excited that you have sound and can hear us. That's a really remarkable thing. I worked uh, on that. <laughs> <laughs> you did well. You had a plan. Good. We, we've already been talking this morning about how important it is to have a plan. And mm -hmm. um, 
And I, you know, I, I, that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you come and be on the show. And I've said that Eustacia Cutler is the person you come with great credentials. She's the person. Yes, right, by, right. Have Sally on. Uh, so Sally, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, what I do, I'm a professor at Eastern Michigan University and had started our grad program in autism and our undergrad program in autism. Um, but with college supports, along with Dr. Pamela Lemerand in 2010, we envisioned having a college support program for college students that could get into college but as, as we know, the, the success rate for lots of students with on the spectrum, no matter how brilliant they are, no matter how high their test scores are, that they simply haven't done as well as their potential indicated that they should. So we started this program um, with the idea that we would, um, within the university, as part of the university, be able to foster relationships with departments and administration and, and housing and all those kinds of people so that we could make it a more comfortable arena, um, but also to provide those specific academic and social supports which act as the barrier for students um, on the spectrum. Yeah, we just, we do a jargon of the day and our jargon today was the individual transition plan. Okay. And we were talking about those three elements that it's supposed to plan for that, you know, to help a person with where they're going to live, you know, where they're going to work, which work can mm-hmm. mean, I mean, a lot of different things and their social uh, construct. And so it seems like to me, what you guys have done is said, okay, we're going to take this person to college and we're going to help them on all three of those things. Right. Right. Navigate all of those areas. It isn't, is, it, and, and it has to be individualized. So, because each student well, needs, needs and desires the same different things. Well, that was going to be my next thing is that while, while it's a program, um, you guys make a point of celebrating the individual. Is that correct? Yes. It is all about the individual and their strengths. It is a, it is a strengths-based program. And, you know, when you go to college, there are these horrible gen ed classes that you have to take that everybody has to take. Um, And those, those are, those are kind of difficult. So we want to make sure students are reminded of what their strength is. um, And, and that can carry them through to a, um, to a degree and to a career. Um, I'm going to give an example of, of a young man who, like many of our people in our community, loved Thomas the Tank and, uh, you know, Thomas the Train. And so as he was in, in college, a history major, um, he then I, I helped get him an internship um, after his junior year at the Henry Ford Museum. And he worked with the archivist on the trains. And they even have a Thomas train, you know, an authentic Thomas the Tank train that comes to the museum. And so he was able to work on that. But what they did there too is they really enjoyed that they want strengths. And so they used him to find out what is it that they can be doing more for people on the spectrum. I love that. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of parents uh, around the, the world right now whose heads just went, right? Because I think people, I think people tend to put kids into categories and go, well, these kinds of kids can go to college and these kinds of kids can't go to right. college. And if right. you were obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine, we don't think you're in that category. Right. And you just right. opened up a lot of people's imaginations. Right. 
Right. Who do you think uh, is right to go to college? I think that, first of all, anybody can be right. But having been in this, um, I was director of the Autism Society of Michigan prior to my university position. So I've worked with families forever and ever. And and it's a journey, as we all know. I had a brother on the on the spectrum. Um, it's a journey. So it's like I always, you know, some people are ready to go to college, um, and some people are not. And so, first of all, you have to get into college. You know, so you have to have whatever that the requirements are for the university you want to go to. But you also then have to have some level of maturity um, and understanding that you need to follow like the, the constructs of the program. You know, we, we've set it up so that it's all individualized and it's flexible. However, there are certain things you have to do. For instance, you gotta go to class. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go to class. You've gotta take a shower, you know, two, two important things. Yeah, I, you know, it seems like one of those duh things, but you know, I used to teach uh, college, college professor here, and I can't tell everybody the amount of times that I had to explain to somebody, if you don't want to be here, if right. you don't want to go to classes, right. then you right. should not be here. Right. A part of being here is going to classes. It's right. very confusing for a lot of college students, and I'm not talking about individuals who <laughs> were on the spectrum. Right. Uh, right. You know, there are a lot of people who get there and go, oh, this is a world. And it yes. is. Yes. And they get confused about, I think I'm right. supposed to be going to hockey games, not class. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and as we know how big the spectrum is, there are some students who want to be social, who want to, you know, do all kinds of things. And then there are others that, that don't. So we let each student defined community in the way that makes sense to them. Um, you know, you know, one of our students that just graduated, I bet the first year, um, you know, we, we went to his room on a daily basis and made sure he got to class. But sometimes it was me beating on the door and, and like it was the police there or something saying, you know, get up, put your pants on, you know, let's, let's go to class. Um, and, uh, and now he doesn't want to leave college because it was like his third year when he figured out, oh, well, this is kind of fun to go do these things. So, you know, and, and when I work with families and we have an interview process, you know, when they have to be admitted to Eastern Michigan University first, and then they apply to us. And then we interview the student separate from the parents, because sometimes the student will say, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. The parents are going, yes, they do. But if the student doesn't want to be there, it's, it's, it's not successful. But, but another point is the differing levels of maturity for anybody that's, that's an 18 year old um, young man, right? Raising three boys, everybody had a different level of, of readiness for college. And that's why community colleges are amazing and awesome because you can go and you can I work with families, so just like take one class, um, get your driver's license if that's a possibility, um, you know, get a job, you know, these, life is long, right? Yes. Journey, the journey can, it, and then maybe they finish, a, our best students have been those that finished a community college degree. And then, okay. and, and they're like, okay, well, they kind of understand that they, and, and we, as we all know autism, to listen to a lecture, 
sometimes kids think, oh, they're having a conversation with me. And so with students that haven't had prior college experience, they might just then answer. They, they interrupt all the time, but they're not interrupting. It's just that they see that the professor's chatting with them and not, right. not the group of 40 or 50 or 100 or, or whatever. So I want to back up on some of the things that you just said there, because uh, so it, I was going to say, is it possible for someone to go to community college and then transfer? Uh, but you were just saying that that's like yeah. your best case scenario. Oh, yeah, that's 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 great. That is really, really great. Yeah. OK. I recommend that. OK, very cool. Well, that's a good thing to know. So uh, when we had spoken the other day, one of the things I, I know that I started the conversation thinking, I don't think that my my son needs the thing that you do. Mm -hmm. By the end of the conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, I think my son needs the thing that you do. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about what kinds of things, uh, challenges that students might have, because it's a wide variety of things on right. a college campus right. that, that right. end up being to their detriment right. that you guys can help with. Right. Um, and I, some of the, you know, again, if, if you don't, continue to focus on strengths, um, students can get lost in that. Why am I taking this class? Why do I have to take this, this speech class? I don't, I don't like to talk, all that sort of thing. And, um, and so what it is we do for each student is I'm faculty advisor. So when the student gets admitted to our program, we, we, you know, we, we help the family make sure the student gets his letters of accommodation with the Disability Resource Center, of which has to be in any college that takes any federal funding. And that means um, that the st any students that take FAFSA, then that's, that's when that counts. Because sometimes people say, oh, my kid's in a private school. If anybody gets FAFSA, then they have to follow the um, ADA, um, Section 504, the Rehab Act, and provide accommodations. I make sure- But hold up for one second, because there are people who are watching who have kids that are in like third grade. So they don't know what a FAFSA is. So let's- Okay, oh, I'm so sorry. That's no, no, it's okay. It's student aid. And so it's like all the people that owe lots of money on student loans, they have filled out a federal um, federal aid. Uh, I forget what all the initials stand for, but it's, it's student aid for college students. Okay. So if your child is in a public school or private school, if they've filled out that FAFSA form, they are entitled to be covered by the Americans with Disability Act right. and they can they can get accommodations yes. during their yes. college. Now, yes. here's an important thing because um, if you have not conserved your students, if your child is 18 years old and you didn't conserve, if you're just sending them off to college, then they have to do that entirely for themselves. Exactly. And you don't get a say as a parent. You don't get right. to call the professor and go, no, hey, he no. turned that in. The professor right. will go, I don't talk to you. Right. Um, but if they're in the college support program, does the family get to participate or no? The family participation is a huge part in this program. And having grown up with people with autism, I am not ever about to say, oh, your kid's here now, they're mine. No, no, no. It is that the, the, the family is the expert on the child, right? So, you know, it's kind of like heavy 
freshman year, especially for semester freshman year, uh, we're going to work and try to problem solve with the student. But sometimes there's going to be just where it's like, no, let's ask your mom and dad. Um, so we do lots of FaceTime uh, meetings. Uh, we meet with the student once a week and with some students who require um, we all know kids and their moms too, that that's a close relationship. So there are, there are many, many moms who speak with us on a regular basis and it happens as much as it needs to happen. I have never seen where it goes past maybe the first year and a half. Um, after that, when we contact them, you know, and I'm always the first one is like, have you called the parents? Because if we're, you know, experiencing some difficulty with the student behaviorally or something like that, or talking too much or in class or, you know, not getting along with their mentors, each student has a mentor that goes to class with them. And when it is they, um, you know, data has shown that they don't need anybody to go to class with them. Um, and usually that's maybe after year one, then, then they go on their own and they do, we do a check-in check-out system where they come in the office they, and, and we, you know, there's a form that they fill out that makes them keep track of what's happening in the class. And um, so then what happens after a year and they can do that on their own, then we you know, transition them out even more for independence. Um, but we still do uh, you know, weekly meetings. Each, each student has a college um, academic support coach. Um, so they meet with them and that then students using their Google Calendar, um, all things are accounted for. How are they getting along with mentors? Um, and then that mentor or that coach then also might you know, check with the professors. Um, what I do as faculty advisor is I work with all the faculty and I do trainings in lots of different departments. And, um, and, and the beautiful thing about college universities and colleges and universities is there are many professors who might be on the spectrum. And so there's a lot of understanding. And, and I'm gonna give an initials, some initials here. So like a little- Okay, we'll thing. get ready. FERPA, F-E-R-P-A, and you referred to it a minute ago and it's Federal Educational Rights Privacy Act. So when a student is 18, just as you'd said, when they go to college, as parents, they cannot call. Well, in, in our, in the college support program, we have students as part of the, it's a requirement, they have to waive the FERPA so that then I can talk to the professors and then I can convey all the information to parents uh, because we don't want to, we don't want to put that on parents because that's, I mean, you know, as a professor as well too, it's like not anything, it's like you're busy enough, you know, but yeah. can, because we're there within context, then I can meet with, with uh, the professor. And one of the main things that I do at the beginning of the year, I go around to all, you know, a hundred plus, and luckily some of them have had our students before, and I make sure they understand the legal accommodations. So if you were not in our college support program and you do not have FERPA waived, then it is upon the student to go up to each professor and say, I need these accommodations. And in college support program, I handle all that. Um, so that then, you know, and again, the transition, we want students, it's important that they learned how to state what their accommodate, what their needs are going to be. But the main reason for that is because when they get a job, um, they, at any point in the job interview or upon acceptance, they need to tell somebody that they would need accommodations. Yeah. Um, so we want students to understand that, but it's difficult for 
most people to then go up to the professor and say, hey, you have to do this. You have to give me my test in a separate room and things like that. So I handle all that part. Yeah, I mean, I think parents are pretty savvy too. They've seen, you know, when the IEP, you ha- like it, you go through the whole machination to get the IEP right, but then there's this whole thing about does it get carried out correctly, right? right. And there are all these right. little adjustments that parents right. have to do and they're calling and they're like, right. well, no, because right. the IEP says this. And then there's this gaping hole. This The structure is still there for college, right. Right. but it, you really have to be an advocate to be able to, for yourself, right. to be able to access it correctly and to throw somebody in to that cold pool right. as a freshman and hope right. that they're right. going to get it right is a big, big ask. Right. I love one of our viewers wrote in and said, part of the problem with the way our academia is that they expect one to learn a subject in just a few short months. And not only that, you have people who need accommodations and those are not always met. Right. But what I see this college support program is doing is casting the net around everything so that nothing falls out. Right, right. Um, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, but again, let's, cause we got, we got a little sidetrack, but it was good sidetrack, but uh, <laughs> talk about some of the, the things, because I think we all forget that, that a lot of, we've seen a lot of individuals go off to college with great intentions, spending a great deal of money, everybody's hopes are high, and then it doesn't turn out well. What are right. some of the things that can mess somebody up? Um, yeah. Oh, the one thing, on the difficult thing for families to understand, but it's, it's an important one, is that when you have a child with autism, it's usually not just autism. And they might not have displayed significant anxiety or depression or things like that. But neurologically, about college time is when some of those things might occur. Plus, they're not at home. They're in the dorm. You know, they've got, you know, different teachers and they switch every semester and all these things that are like, ah, you know, when we're in the autism world. Um, And so the coexisting disorders, uh, you know, somebody having depression and one of the things that I, I train and uh, you know, our, all our mentors and every, all our staff to understand is that behavior is communication. And so if you've got a student who doesn't, you know, you go to get him and he isn't going to go to class and he starts talking very, very loudly about the, the steam engine's going to rise. There's going to be rise of the steam engine talking very loudly. And what that means, what that behavior is communicating is that, well, I am, I am so, you know, over, overdone. I don't know. I'm behind in my work, all these kinds of things. So we have to kind of interpret that. Now, if we can't get our way out of that, then we do talk to families right away and, uh, and encourage them to get some clinical support because we're, we're not a residential hospital program or anything like that. You know, we are a college support program. So I would say that the coexisting disorders, you have to understand that they are there. Um, And, um, and, you know, we've had students that, um, you know, on a Saturday, for instance, um, some, a young man had had a seizure. And um, as we know, seizures don't always look like seizures. This was a student walking around in circles and saying um, things from a movie, repeating yeah. things from a movie. And so the library staff at the university just called, you know, the, the security, the, you know, for, for the university, who then they took him to the psychiatric ward. Um, and, and those are the kinds of things that, you know, we don't, we're, we're with them. We have study tables seven days a week. We have 
pretty much daily contact, but there are going to be times when they are out, you know, they're out on their own, like, like any college student. So I would say that, that really understanding how your kid shows anxiety and, and what that could rise to is important for any family to know. Absolutely. We got a couple of people doing shout outs here. Uh, somebody says it's always great. Uh, always a pleasure to listen to Sally. Oh, always provides nice. such great insight. And they're saying hello to you from ASLA. Okay. Uh, yes. Yes. So what a wonderful thing. <laughs> My and, and other people who are saying yay, uh, CSP. <laughs> Um, because, because people should understand that you guys have been doing this for a little while and you've got a great track yes. record. Right. Uh, so how long? Well, we started in t- 2010 and we started with one student and that's with, with uh, Do- Dr. Pamela Lemerand and I are, we are the ones who, who started that and um, she's retired and in California. So maybe, maybe she's even listening there, but we started with one student because we thought, let's get it right with one student. And this was a student who was, um, had been, um, had the the diagnosis of mutism, you know, because he couldn't, like he he would get anxious and then not be able to talk at all. We started with him and the accommodations that we used with him were, you know, were life-changing in that, like if you can't give a speech in front of the class, the professor could let you give the speech in their office. Okay, so we learned lots. We get smarter every day, right? Because every student is different. Every person on the spectrum is so different. So we started 2010 with one student and we now have 33 students. Um, so we have gone up slowly. We do not get any support from the university. Um, it's all, you know, it's, it's parent fees. This is a fee, a fee-based program. So students pay their tuition and all that kind of stuff plus than, than our program. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. First, you have to apply to the college. And we yeah. should say that your college is not the only college that right. does a program like this. That's exactly uh, like how many universities around the country do this? It's not you know, a huge number, but it's not a, it's not, you know, two. It's growing and growing and growing um, because I, I, I would say there's probably 50 and I would say every family needs to approach the university of their choice in their area and say, what kind of specific college supports do you hold for students with autism? Um, because there, and, and there can be some that like the, one of the first ones was Marshall University, Western Kentucky. Rutgers has one that I've heard is, is very good. Um, so there, there are many, many programs that have just Mercyhurst in, in Pennsylvania. Um, there's a lot of them and each of them kind of have their own thing. Ours is individualized. So we have students encourage them to live, um, you know, to get a medical accommodation um, and have a room by themselves because students need to be able to take on the social world as they can, not like, oh, let's get you a roommate. And I think any of us can think about nightmares that we had with horrible <laughs> roommates and, and you know, that's not the way to start college. Um, so we have them get a medical accommodation, then they have their own room, they can take on, you know, whatever they need to take on. And then some then learn how to really, uh, uh, you know, associate with other kids in their dorms and participate in activities and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it, it's individualized. So, so that the, the student that we go knock on their door and, and we provide socials that the students come up with a couple times a month. And, and many of them want to go because they're, you know, they're going to take the Uber to downtown Ann Arbor and, um, and get pizza and things like that. And then there are some 
and we all know people on the spectrum that would rather die than be associated with anybody else with autism. That's okay yes. too. That's yeah. okay too. So social can be things that you create yourselves. Is there a Dungeons and Dragons club on campus? Um, so we go with you and we help get you set up. There are, we have students in fraternities um, and in sororities because that was really important to them. And then because of the FERPA, then waived, meaning that we can talk to people, then we have a relationship with the Panhellenic Society so that we've given trainings regularly and fraternities about what autism looks like. Um, so that's been very exciting because then we we just, I mean, we talk, this is, well, it's May now, but it's not Autism Awareness Month anymore, but we all know that the more people understand who, who people are on the spectrum, you know, the more acceptance there's going to be, so. Absolutely. So the first thing, first thing they have to do is to identify the colleges that they want to go to and see if they have a program, yes. reach out to yes. them. And then, then they have to apply to the college and get in. Well, yeah, for, for hours, yes. Yeah, okay. There's so you get into the college and then you apply to be in the, the college support program. Okay. Right, yes. And, then, and for your program, that involves uh, at least an interview yes. with the family. Yes. Um, where you outline all the different things because you've already gone through a bunch of things that there's a social program, that there's a... A study group that um, that there's somebody who goes to class with you. Yes. What is that person who goes to class with you do? That student. Um, it, that's another undergraduate, an upper level undergraduate, and they sit um, and as close or as far away as needed um, by the student in class, and the professor knows that this is a student that's gonna that's in there to support the other person, but no mention of it is ever is ever made. Yeah, they're um, not wearing a t-shirt that says no. I'm I'm with him or her. They're not no. waving and going, I'm right. an aide. They're, yeah. They look like another student That's and they're in yeah. there taking notes, and right? They are. And they are. They are other students and we don't right. have that are not students. Um, and so then they take notes um, because auditory processing is the weakest link when you're on the spectrum, right? So taking notes and then dealing with sarcasm. If you think of every single criteria in the DSM or autism definitions in education, um, not understanding sarcasm. So, you know, what if a professor, a person raised their hand and says, well, are you going to cover this on the test? And the professor very sarcastically says, oh, of course not. Why would we put that in? And for the student who is taking their own notes, they would go, oh, okay, I don't need to study that. Whereas we've got a mentor in there that says, no, 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 that means, that means. So they're there as social coaches to kind of interpret and navigate um, the world with them. So if a student needs to talk to the professor, then the mentor might work with them and say, hey, 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 what are you going to say? And then maybe they come up with a script or they kind of act as wingmen. All right. I see you really staring at that one particular person. Do you want to get to meet them? And then they might brainstorm with them how it is they get to meet them. So they, and it's all right on the spot. So it's all happening. The support is right then and there. If a student, let's say, is picking their nose in class, the mentor might text them and say, use a Kleenex and don't pick your nose. I mean, so it's like it's handled right then and there. And then yeah. work with the faculty and, and, uh, they let me know if there's a mentor that isn't doing a good job. 
So, yeah. What I love is that there's lots of points of communication because a lot of times, I mean, even just, you know, I have a high schooler and I send him off to school. And if nobody tells me what's happening, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, And I always hate it when after the fact, somebody says, well, you know, we, we struggled with this really. And, and I didn't know, like I could have done something you could have done something. I could have told you to do something. Right. So communication right. is key and you've got several different points. Okay. Yeah. So they, they apply to the college, they get in, they apply to the college support program. They, they come and they interview to see if they're a good fit. What kinds of things are you looking for, for the right fit? We're looking for the student's ability to, to follow what the program is. And how that turns out is study tables, you know? So it's like, will you go to a study table now? And we individualize the study tables. Maybe they check in and then they go and they're gonna work with their professor and the mentor heads over there with them. So maybe they don't have to sit in the same room with us, but there are approximately 12 to 15 hours a week that students need to be in study tables. And we have study tables seven days a week. So we try to, within their Google calendar and their academic support coach, work that in so that it works with the student. If a student needs to eat first, if they don't wanna eat until noon or whatever it is, we, that all is worked out according to what works with the students. So it's a big time commitment on their part. They have to go to their classes and then they have to go to the study tables. Right. And they can't, they can't try to, to do the executive plan and go, well, I'll just go to some of it, some of the time. Right. That's not allowed. Right, right. Well, and, you know, one of the things is that, you know, we tell the students like, hey, dude, if you're sick and you need to stay in bed, text us and let us know. Um, that that's what you're doing because then, you know, we would let the mentor know because usually how it goes is the mentor has an arranged meeting place with the students beginning of the year, they might go to the dorm and wait in the lobby and walk over with them. If the student will allow that needs and doesn't mind that. Um, And and after that, it might be that maybe they're waiting outside the classroom. Um, But then maybe it's then they're in the classroom. Well, let's say it's 10 minutes into the class, 15 minutes in the class, and there's no student there for health and safety. The student then will text us and say, Hey, so-and-so isn't here. Um, And then we will, you know, we'll say, all right, go and check their check their dorm room um, and then worst case and this has only happened two times in all the years I've done this we've had to have police come do wellness check and generally that was because of uh, a student's abuse of technology meaning they were playing video games until five in the morning and then they overslept and they couldn't wake up so the technology part is is a huge thing, and I that's next to coexisting disorders and psychiatric issues. That technology that's that's something that families, as their kids are in high school, begin teaching them how to um, at bedtime, you know, check it in, disengage, disengage. Yeah, disengage. it's hard. It I'll is. tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, this COVID stuff is not helping that because no we're having to lean into the technology. And I know it's very squishy for me. I like, you know, I'm trying to check, are you playing a video game or are you right. in class or are you playing a video game while you're in class? Right, right. Uh, no, my head has not exploded once this week. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, my husband and I are reminded on a regular basis, the checking in thing. And it's been scary to me to think 
that, mm-hmm. you know, we're only a year and a half away from him going to college and who right. will be checking in then. Right. And that's, right. that's part of why I love this whole college support program. And that's why and we came up with it. <laughs> yeah, because it makes sense. And I got to say that it, this probably would be good for every student, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, but how nice that it's there for our kiddos on the spectrum. But you mentioned that it's an additional cost. Let's talk yes, a little bit about that. Yes, it's um, a, Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's fee-based and why we do the interviews is, is that um, if, if we see, yes, you're able to follow the program, we don't want to, we don't expect anybody to be perfect, but can they follow the program? Then we come up with a support plan and the costs range from uh, four to 8,000 a semester at, at this point. And, so- and a large portion of that is paying for that person to be in the classroom, taking the notes for them, right? That yeah. person has to be paid. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. And my understanding, and everybody hold on to your pearls for a second, is that it it's not something that there is funding for in, in generally. There, I want to say that in vocational rehab um, across the country, there is money targeted for students' uh, support for college. Now, you, you have to word that in a very, very careful way. Um, but we have students from several states and um, one particular is at the um, District of Columbia. They pay, their, their voc rehab pays for um, air flights home, books, um, the, the college support program and a portion of tuition. There are others, I think in Illinois, where they might help with tuition. So th- there is support. So go get your case open with, uh, with your rehab services. Um, and in California with your, um, probably with your regional center as well, because I know that's a conduit from some of the things that I've done there. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Um, but it is, it is a commitment financially. It's an yes. additional cost. College right. is already expensive. Right. Um, and I, cause I want us to be realistic about this. And I, and I gotta say, uh, Two, I don't know that anybody has ever applied for this um, through a charity that I work through, but you could through yes. Autism Care Today. Yeah, uh, you could absolutely apply for a grant for this Wonderful. kind of thing through Autism Care Today. Yeah. You can go to act-today.org. Yeah, to yeah. learn more about that. But um, you know, it's one of those things where people go, "Well, I don't want to spend between four and nine thousand dollars extra a year for college." But if you're going to spend you know, twenty, forty thousand dollars to send them. You'll want them to come out with a degree, be well-adjusted, educated, happy people. Right. Um, and if it's exactly. if, and if it's four to nine thousand dollars more to make that, it's good money. Is right. what I'm the point that I'm trying to make. Just money. Yes, well- I had a small heart attack thinking about it. Going, gee, that's not in the budget myself. Right. Right. Um, but I can see where we would want it to. Uh, a parent wrote in and said, nice to hear our kiddos will have support if they choose college. Hopefully this will help uh, and will trickle down to the grade school levels. I just want to say you should already be having this kind of support at the grade school level. And if you're not right to me, um, right. because <laughs> because the thing that we're always thinking is let's get that to trickle up to the college because right. the support is supposed to be right. there. For, and if you're not getting that, let's let's have another conversation about that. And somebody else said, this is very helpful for group projects and for vague assignments on a long deadline. Oh, yes. Yeah. Talk a little yes. bit about that. 
Well, the student will get an assignment um, at the first day of class that says they have a 40 page uh, term paper on a specific area with 25 peer reviewed references. What the important part about our how we approach things is that they go to their study table on a daily basis. Um, we have record of kind of what it is their assignment is and we can work with them on a daily basis there and then break things down. It, most of the students in our program, I don't care how brilliant they are, cannot break down an assignment. So we try to break it into chunks, which is something you know we work on with kids all the way through uh, from grade school on up through high school. But it's really important that the students then accomplish a goal every week. Then that is also then the academic support coach then is knowledge of what that project is. And then at the weekly meeting might talk about that too. Now, where are you on this? And one of the terms we use lots is being respectfully assertive with mm -hmm. students because we all know our students um, were really good at saying, oh, I got this. Oh, I don't know. Don't even, no, don't worry about it. And they've even, some of our students have tried to dismiss the mentors and say, you don't really need to come with me. And then they're so convincing, the mentors will say, well, I left because I thought I didn't need to. No, no, no. You work for the program. You don't work for the, for the kid necessarily. So it, that the student then can, um, we can say, all right, where are you in this project? Oh, it's back at my dorm. Okay, let's walk over and get it. Um, or let's, why don't you show me? Show me where you are just so I can see kind of where you are. That's really important because if you don't do that, students will fall through the cracks. And it happens every day. So you brought up with the mentors, um, like talk a little bit about what's the process? What do you train them and who okay. do, you, do they, I assume that they have to interview. What kind of people do you pick for those jobs? Well, we pick because we have students that are majoring in everything. We've got them in computer science and animation and gaming is one that lots of times people start out in, but it is very difficult. So they don't, don't stay in it very long, um, whatever it is. So we try to get students with the content, um, with you know strong content in computer science and math and different things like that. But but we've hired a lot of students through my you know through my students that are in the autism um, undergrad or graduate program. Um, it's really important. They get training twice a month, um, and it's really important that just the tenets of autism. Um, it's like an autism 101 we're doing many, many times. And it kind of goes back to that people think, well, if they can talk, then they don't have autism. You know, oh, they're so bright, they're so high functioning. Well, no, that, none of that matters because you have to understand and be able to, to uh, understand the behaviors, communication, and how to help the student with uh, their need sometimes to just like say something like one student told the professor, you sound just like a character from, from the Muppets, you know, and it's like the professor then was like, oh, okay. And then he, he called me about it and I just said, well, okay, well, and then that's what the mentor is there for. The mentors are, we, and we go through an, you know, extreme interview process and, and then training and all that, all that sort of thing. And we work that whole business around their schedules so that nothing interferes ever. We, another thing I want to say too is that we're very proud of is that we're, we've been getting many of our students in the program 
uh, jobs on campus. Um, you know, there's some food service jobs and things and so many social skills are learned um, in that environment. Um, and the mentors also help with that, with the yeah, work we, situation? We, oh, that's great. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we help with all of it. And then, you know, the idea too, with, with especially with job, is that then then things take over. And then that's where, you know, I've done trainings with uh, the, the cafeteria workers and, and some of the different fast food chains that are within the student center. Um, so that it's then they're going to go, oh, okay, all right. Um, no, Joel, you can't do that. You know, so they learn how to not pussyfoot around with the student, but to then say, well, you need to do this directly. But if you uh, see that the student is doing well and they want some more um, autonomy and, uh, and, and you, you give them the ability to try to slowly go out on their own? Absolutely, absolutely. And we all know autism isn't linear. So we've had students that their first year they had a mentor with them in every class. The second year they had a mentor with them on, in every class. And we start taking data on the, the mentor isn't having to do as much because the student is taking their own notes and making appointments with the professor and things like that. So then, then maybe that first semester of the next year, then we just have a check-in system. And then because autism isn't linear, it doesn't mean then it's gonna stay that way. Um, so that then maybe if things get bad and anxiety and depression and things like that pop up, then we're there to jump right back in. And you're paying each person, it's an individual program and each person pays for the services that they're actually using. Right. Um, right. So if, if by the time they're a senior, they're not using anything more than the check-in, all you're paying for is the check-in. Right. We start off with, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't a pick and choose thing at the beginning because parents, yeah. oh, my student, because I cannot yeah. tell you, I was laughing with a family last week in our end of the year meetings who was sure his student would not need ever anybody in class with them. And yeah. he was laughing, goes, oh yeah, sorry, I was such a skeptic because he did need that. Now by his last year, he didn't need that. Um, so then dorm checks, we do residential support. So we're in there once a week, um, but then it's like, no, we're, no, we go in and, and there's perfect. One time we found out it was perfect and we had a student that the family had hired a maid service. And ah. so <laughs> yeah, that, that's the kind of money I don't, I don't understand, but. Anyways. Well, there we go. All right. We are unfortunately out of time, but I want to really quickly talk about where can people go if they want to learn more about Eastern Michigan University and the CSP program there? Okay. Well, they, they, they can go to the Eastern Michigan University website and, or they could go to um, email me, um, sburtonh at emish.edu. Um, and I'm happy to, to direct um, people, we, you know, we've got an office and it's around, it's in the call, located in the College of Education. And, um, and, and so I, I have my hand in, in all things. So you can email Love me. It. I'll get you hooked and up. if you're, if you're wanting to know more universities that have this program, what's the best thing to Google? Well, you know, I would say Google college programs autism um, because that's where you're going to get a list. And we have many families that have used that list um, to, to go and interview different places. And we should say everybody does it a little bit different, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. don't assume that because uh, Sally's program does it the way we just talked about, you got to do some research if you're going to do it at a different university. Right. Uh, but don't we all want our kids to go to Eastern Michigan now? Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sally, you did not disappoint. You lived up to all of Eustacia's praise, oh, uh, which you. is a very high thing. This has been so enjoyable, so informative. Thank you so much for being with us. Okay, thank you. And hi to everybody that is watching me. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, okay, I'm just, we're way out of time here, but I just want to say to you guys, uh, don't forget that on Thursday, we're doing that town hall meeting. I'm about to put a bunch of press out about it today. Uh, with with Bonnie Yates, special education attorney. We're going to talk about the state of the state of special education. If you've been in that place where you're like, I don't think my child is getting what 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 the education that I thought they were going to get this semester because of COVID, this is going to be something that you're going to need to want to come to. It's going to be interactive. You will be able to ask questions. She's got important information about updates about what uh, Betsy DeVos has has said about education that is now going to be important to us. So uh, you're going to want to tune in. It's going to be at four o'clock Pacific time. So it's in the afternoon on Thursday, clear your schedule because you're going to want to be there. Um, and uh, tomorrow on the show, I believe that we're, I believe we're not having Dr. Graham Piché. I believe that we're having Evelyn Kong answer your questions, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Tune in. Someone fabulous will be here answering your questions until then give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.